Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life. And for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In this episode, we are going to speak with a female CEO who runs a consulting firm helping business owners work themselves out of a job. We're going to hear from her right after we hear from our show sponsor, Sunbelt Business Advisors. You wouldn't go deep sea fishing without a guide or skydive without an instructor. So don't sell your business without a broker. Now is a great time to sell a business. Many are selling at a premium. Contact a business broker at sunbeltminnesota.com or call Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880 and get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth. Because selling your business is the biggest financial decision you may ever make. There is a record number of buyers looking for businesses right now. It is a seller's market. You could list, sell, and get more for your business now and start the next successful chapter of your life. Call 612-455-0880 today or visit sunbeltminnesota.com. Minnesota's largest seller of companies. 612-455-0880, sunbeltminnesota.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here today with Leslie Holman, CEO of Pinnacle Performance Group. Leslie, welcome to Poise for Exit. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad that you're here. I always uh, do what I can with regard to um, featuring women business owners and women advisors as much as I possibly can on this show. And so I'm just thrilled to have you here because you've been you know, in a lot of different spaces and we're going to get to that. we got some really good questions for you. But before we do that, I like to ask my guests to just share a little bit about your background and what got you to where you are today as CEO of Pinnacle Performance Group. Um, my background is somewhat winding, but um, I started out, uh, highlights are, I started out as a mechanical engineer in the auto industry, and that really gave me a passion for loving um, the action that happens at the front line of kind of where the rubber meets the road. Wow. And um, from there, I uh, went to the other end of the spectrum, decided I needed to understand how the business decisions were made. And went and got my MBA, went to business school, and then had the opportunity to go work at um, McKinsey & Company doing strategic consulting. So really the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so uh, from there, I, as I was leaving McKinsey and thinking about what's next, um, I really knew that uh, cor- big corporate America wasn't for me. I, I liked the, the breadth of problem solving and the uh, a more dynamic, smaller environment. Mm-hmm. So I had the opportunity to then go um, work in private equity for a while with uh, small, um, smaller organizations. And then from there, uh, found the opportunity to acquire my own firm, um, I purchased Pinnacle Performance Group in 2012. Um, and it, it, it was a professional services firm that was really focused on that space I had experienced of uh, taking a strategy and then putting it into action. At, at the time of purchase, it was mm-hmm. primarily focused on um, primarily focused on training. But mm-hmm. after I acquired the firm um, and over the last uh, 
almost 10 years, we've really expanded into what we call strategic execution, which is really connecting the dots between those two experiences from taking what you maybe put together in a strategic PowerPoint and translating that all the way down to um, having your frontline employees uh, behave differently. Strategic execution. Let's let's break that down and take a little deeper dive. Tell me about how how you built that out. Like what, and, and maybe just give us an uh, overview of what it is actually. So we think of strategic execution exactly is that that space between the boardroom and the front line. And oftentimes we'll talk to clients and explain it. The simplest way to explain it is mm-hmm. saying, you know, do you know when you get that PowerPoint from be it a consultant or your internal strategy team that that lays out the future state, and then that team might go away, and you think, now what? Right. Um, that is the that is the place we like to play. So sure. we um, we come in, and um, once that vision has been established, we come in and help clients really start to uh, figure out how do they reach that, how do they make that reality, mm-hmm. and that is um, starts with making a plan. Um, then we work with clients to be really clear on what that future is. So um, strategy is important and it's sexy, but it's also often used with big brush strokes. Mm -hmm. And we help people get very precise Mm -hmm. because to to evolve to a new position position or strategy, you need to know exactly what you want each of your employees to do and how that's going to be different. Mm -hmm. So we, we work with clients on getting really specific into process maps and details and then from there, it starts to think about how do you start to roll that future state change out into the organization, and that's um, communicating and helping people understand and buy into that vision, mm-hmm. and also training and providing them the new skills and knowledge to be successful so that they know what they need to do differently at the time. And we walk side by side with clients all the way through that process. Um, you know, we're very flexible in how we support clients, depending on what capabilities they have. We like to fill in around them, mm-hmm. but get, getting clients all the way to and across that that implementation uh, finish line and into stability after that. So, when we're talking about clients, what, what what size business and what type of business do you guys normally work with? Um, we work with businesses of all sizes. So we have quite a few um, Fortune 100 clients that we spend a lot of time with, mm-hmm. but we like to diversify ourselves to work with medium and smaller clients as well, mm. just because um, it gives us different perspectives, different experiences, and that richness helps us and those experiences help us continue to challenge our thinking and approaches um, in creative ways. Mm-hmm. And so I I would imagine that all of the time that you spent in the private equity world has helped you a lot as well because, well, depending on what role you had, maybe we should talk about that first. What was your role in that world? In in private equity, I worked Mm -hmm. for a small fund Mm -hmm. and so really got to see all parts of the deal. So um, did everything from working on deal sourcing to actually – acquisitions or investments into companies, mm-hmm. um, went through, sat on boards, went through uh, sales transactions, yeah. um, and so really had the opportunity to see that full business cycle um, from beginning to end across a number of different companies of, mm-hmm. of what it means to be in that transaction space. 
Were you also involved in the integration process, too, when you're bringing two companies together? The fund that I work for, we were early enough that we mm. we did not have an integration strategy that we were pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our portfolio companies were, were held independent, but mm-hmm. have in my more recent work, um, we have done that at Pinnacle. Um, how do you help to align processes and cultures um, post an acquisition? Mm-hmm. And so, okay, here we are kind of post-pandemic. Um, it's been around such a long time, I normally don't like to talk about it on the show because I want these to be evergreen, but it is part of our everyday life and has been for a while. Um, we're not completely through, but we're back to a lot of times face-to-face and doing things like that. And as a consultant myself, um, I am starting to see clients more face-to-face than I was a year ago right now, I guess you could say that. So for you guys and and your team, how are you handling your client relationships? Is it kind of a hybrid or, or let's speak to that for a little bit. We are still all remote at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of our client organizations continue to be remote. Mm-hmm. And um, just within our culture, it's really important for us that our um, employees are comfortable and prioritizing the needs of their families. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we still tend to be remote and we preserve the right with all our clients right now for our employees to stay remote as long as they would like to. Mm-hmm. The amazing thing is um, we see our clients very regularly, um, we we are the live the the Zoom lifestyle, um, which has been beneficial because previously we spent a lot of time on site with clients, mm-hmm. and this has allowed us um, more flexibility to um, service clients um, more wholly. So we're not spending time in vehicles, driving between clients, um, and engaging different people from our team who mm-hmm. um, aren't necessarily in the same city in a more meaningful way. So there's been Mm -hmm. some great opportunities for us. And it's really made uh, working in, you know, different markets much more seamless, hasn't it? You know, when you talk about your team being in different states, obviously you have clients in different states like I do. So it's just, that's been a blessing out of all this, I think. Absolutely. And I think it's Mm -hmm. enabled us to um, normalize the relationships and the Mm -hmm. way we work with our clients who aren't local. Mm -hmm. Um, which has been exciting to see. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine that you're not necessarily seeing clients, right? You're running the show. Um, but but you probably have team members who, like you said before, you said, you know, making sure that they stay safe and their families stay safe. And, you know, the whole uh, culture conversation these days is in retaining people, right? Making sure that our best and brightest are happy and and that they have a good balance if there is such a thing. Um, fostering, you know, family relationships and making sure that that they have what they need on, on both sides of the spectrum, both professionally and personally. So let's speak to that. Uh, I understand that you have a guiding philosophy around that. Yeah, we have always um, been very clear on um, creating an organization that we want to work in. Um, that was one of my goals in purchasing a company was shaping mm-hmm. a place I wanted to work and it had a di- lot of different work experiences. So um, from day one, our guiding principle has been take care of yourself, take care of your family, do good work in that order. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is key and foundational and it's actually not on a wall anywhere, but it's something everyone knows. And that means you know, if your child needs to, you know, become sick and mm-hmm. you're headed into a big client meeting, you, you call the client and your colleagues and let them know what's happening and you go take care of your of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and if for some reason that that jeopardizes a client relationship we are okay with that um we uh we back each other up really strongly mm-hmm. um we work in teams for that exact reason so if that would happen to someone there's always someone there who can step in but we've also find found that with that transparency and honesty um, our clients are people too. They understand. And I think when we let our humanity and vulnerability be open, yes. you know, it's, it's a very, it, it's probably not a client we want to work with who said, no, I would rather have you in the meeting than going. And I'm thinking of a specific colleague who had to go meet her daughter in the emergency room, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and I think we have, we're just comfortable with being humans and being whole people. And so that has really um, been our guiding philosophy. And, mm-hmm. As we've created our organization, um, everyone who works at Pinnacle is hourly. And so what that's also allowed us to do is find some just amazingly brilliant people who are highly talented, Mm -hmm. but want to work in a different way than the traditional um, workforce would have otherwise asked them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for the last 10 years, we've followed this approach that um, we think people are are better, they're better thinkers if they can come to work as their whole selves, if their their whole self is taken care of, if we acknowledge their humanity. I always use the example of like everybody's gonna have a sewer backup or something similar. And rather than trying yeah. to pretend nothing's happening, let's just lay it out there and ask mm-hmm. for help. Um and that environment and culture has um is just so key to who we are and how we approach work that it's um it's just absolutely the bedrock of our business. Yeah, well, I think especially now, if a business owner hasn't adapted some of those principles, um, they they probably should, just because it's it's pretty universal everywhere now. With at least a lot of the clients that I'm working with, the cultures have shifted it, and you know, obviously, we've all had to make some changes because of the way things are, but I think it's just put so many of us or all of us really on a level playing field as far as, you know, the whole humanity conversation, like you mentioned. And, and so if, if cultures haven't shifted, then it's time. And, um, you know, to, to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, we do have a person here, not just a worker, not just someone who punches in every day, but somebody who actually helps us to make our bottom line and let's do what we can to make sure that they have, um, you know, a good experience. Well, and our um, our exit strategy is really anchored in that culture concept because mm-hmm. think there, uh, in a couple different ways, um, our uh, my personal philosophy has always been if I had to, um, at the end of my life, I look back and see a scale, uh, kind of an old school two-sided scale, and one side is a heart and one side is a dollar sign. If the heart weighs more, I am okay with that. And mm-hmm. I think as an owner making, I'm the sole owner of the company, as the owner making the decision that I'm not pursuing every marginal dollar, I'm not pursuing every incremental profit. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal financially is to take care of my employees, to take care of my family. And once you, once I make that made that choice not to be about the nth dollar and the maximizing, but the are we supporting everyone's needs? The opportunities that opens up in how you run your business and how you view your employees um, is just fundamentally different. And so we think what will be interesting in the, the shifts that are going on right now in our society and culture regarding workplace happiness is are others going to, how will they wrestle with that choice? Because I don't think you can have it both ways. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, too, um, you know, like I said before, and like you've been talking about, I think that we've all had to think differently about what what n- the new normal, because it's not really new anymore, but it seems to be liquid. It seems to be fluid changing. You know, um, it's not the same as it was a year ago. It's not the same as it was six months ago. And so I think just being nimble and being able to think on your feet, and but yet at the same time, having a super strong foundation, which it sounds like you have, and, and then you alluded to what an exit strategy might look like for you. So let's just talk about that for a minute. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It was, uh, it was fun going through your book and <clears throat> reflecting on um, some of the good questions you pose at the end of each chapter. In having mm-hmm. sat in the seat of private equity and seen transactions mm-hmm. and then um, now being as a business owner, um, it's, uh, I think you mentioned about understanding the different types of exits that are available. And when I purchased a company, people were often like, okay, so what's your exit is, you know, is your mm-hmm. timeline five years thinking that that was my, my goal was to buy, build and sell for a profit. And mm-hmm. what I've really learned over the time. And even as I've had people approach me is, um, our culture and foundational values are competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Hands down, people come to work here because of the culture and values we have. We do differential work for clients because of um, the anchoring in that culture and values. And because of that, I think if I think about the perpetuity of the business, and I'm not looking to exit anytime soon, but mm-hmm. have had this thought before of um, – this is not a company that can sustain if just sold as an entity. The value of this company is comes from that foundation of values and beliefs and principles. And mm-hmm. so in terms of considering what the exit opportunities are, you know, to me at, at this time, again, this is all philosophical at this time, but I think there's probably two options. One would either be to um, sell to a like-minded individual, possibly someone who was an internal um, or form some sort of ESOP where the employees themselves take over ownership of the company in um, perpetuity. Sure. But it's interesting in that exit conversation of, of how important though that intangible aspect is really for us to do the work that we do and, you know, ultimate, ultimately deliver the value that we, and create the value that we do. Yeah, because you do create value in the work that you do. There is you know, tangible value and an intangible value, which when you think about the enterprise value of an organization, the intangible value tends to be higher than the tangible value, right? Your your customer client list, your brand, uh, your reputation, you know, the people who work for you, all of those um, components that drive value in a business tend to be the intangible side of things. So um, you're doing that for yourself and you're doing that for your clients and Carrying on a legacy, uh, especially with the work that you do and being impactful as it is, makes a lot of sense. So I applaud that. I think it's awesome. We've reached a time in the show, Leslie, where um, I like to ask my my interview uh, clients and guests to share a couple of action items. Like when you think about the people who are listening, um, an audience of business owners, an audience of professional advisors, what are a couple of action items or some pieces of advice that you'd like to share today? I think two things. One is um, make yourself removable. Mm. And this, for me, has been a very serious thing because I have um, 
twice uh, gone off on maternity leave since purchasing Pinnacle. So literally mm-hmm. was going into situations where my plan was not to be available. I mean, I will say both times I was gone for months without any engagement in the company at all. Good for you. And the reason that that is feasible is because I – thankfully pregnancy takes nine months is documenting Mm. every absolute thing I did and ensuring that someone else could do all those things. Mm. And it's ironic that being a woman business owner um, and uh, having children forced me to do that, but that was probably the single most um, important activity and process I've gone through for the sustainability of our company. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as uh, I remember talking to my estate attorney, he was quite shocked that I felt very confident that if something happened to me, that the company would still move forward. And Mm -hmm. I continue that today. Um, And so I would say, know what you do and make sure somebody else can do absolutely every piece of it. I agree 150%. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other thing is, be really open about what you don't like to do and what you're not good at and hire people who are smarter than you in those areas. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, because time is money and having to do it yourself when you're not good at it and you don't like it always takes how much longer? I don't know, 3X maybe, I don't know what it is, maybe longer. Um, but yeah, that's really good advice. I appreciate that. And I appreciate uh, you being on the show and uh, building the firm that you've built it's good for the business culture in the Twin Cities and abroad, everywhere else that you work. You know, it's good to send out those good vibes and um, good camaraderie and good collaborative work and the things that you're doing. So thank you for doing that. For our listeners, um, we would love to have you share this episode and download the episodes that you haven't heard before on the Poised for Exit website at poisedforexit.com. If you found value in this show, we have room for sponsors, so reach out to me if you're interested in sponsoring the show. The um, ROI on this show for previous sponsors and current sponsors has been awesome, and myself included. So connect with me if you're interested. And as well as always, you'll be able to find this show and all of our uh, previous shows on many of the platforms that are available. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time. <laughs>